Hey everyone, Dave here from Saturday Morning Cartoons with another awesome interview. But before we get to that, I just wanted to thank our Patreon supporters. Derek Haynes, Jake Grimshaw, Jamal Newman, Melanie Harker, John Helter, and the one and only Sean Paul Ellis. If you want to help the show and chip in a dollar a month or more, or just spread the word, head on over to patreon.com slash saturdaymorningcartoons. And remember, that's morning with a U. We really appreciate it. As for today's interview, I had a chance to chat with Jared Stern, who created the new Netflix animated series, Green Eggs and Ham. Stern first came up with a pitch for a Green Eggs and Ham adaptation over a decade ago, so we talked about how that project ultimately became the 13-episode first season. Stern also explained just how important it was to him to bring Dr. Seuss's tale to life, why they opted for traditional hand-drawn animation, and how he cracked the story and then built up a new mythology around a central idea. Now, hopefully there's a season two in the works for Sam I Am and Guy Am I and everybody else in Green Eggs and Ham, because not only is it absolutely gorgeous, it's a really fun ride with characters you actually care about. That might surprise some people. The original book was only about 60 illustrated pages and only used about 50 words in total, so how could Netflix turn that into more than six hours of story with possibly more to come? You should do yourself a favor and check it out on Netflix now to find out how they did just that. But for more on Green Eggs and Ham, here's my interview with Jared Stern. So originally, your first pitch for a Green Eggs and Ham story, that happened quite some time ago. Uh, how does it feel to finally see this fully produced and finished work, you know, finally ready for release? Pretty crazy. I think I first started working on it almost 11 years ago. Uh, so it's, it's both thrilling and horrifying because, you know, when you put that much time into something, you really hope that, uh, that people love it uh, as much as you do. But, uh, but mostly it's exciting to see it actually, uh, come to fruition. That's, that's quite a, quite a chunk of time. So how did that original pitch of yours evolve over the years? If you can remember <laughs> kind of every step along the way, how it came to the final form here. I mean, it, it's actually not that different than it was, believe it or not. And I like to think that I've gotten slightly better as a writer over that time, but the basic concept ha- didn't change all that much, but I think the details got better and there were much more of them. You know, it was kind of a rough idea and then it became five and a half hours worth of stuff. So, uh, and one of the great things about animation is that everything just gets fluffed every step along the way as you iterate. And so I feel like the, the kernel of the idea didn't change very much, but the execution of it, it just hopefully got fluffed at every single step from pitch to great thoughts and producers and executives and writers and story artists and editors and the actors with their voices and animators and so on. Now, I believe I read somewhere along the line that the original idea was for a feature. Is that right? It, did it start as a feature and then turn into a series idea just because you had so much uh, material to work with? It did. Uh, kind of more boring, businessy reasons mm-hmm. why it didn't work as a feature and write things. Um, and it was important to me, though, when we um, decided to do it as a TV series, um, to not just go, oh, okay, it was a feature, and now it's a TV series. I think those, those things are separate, and there's a lot of great things from features um, that can be brought over into television. Um, we, particularly in animation, I tried to bring over some of the way feature animation uh, does stuff, like uh, the ability to iterate multiple times on an episode, which you don't normally do in television, um, and the ability to work with story artists to not just um, sort of execute a, a radio play, but actually get them drawing from the script and being creative. Those are things that are in features that I use. Um, but 
but it's also still a television show and those are different things. It wasn't, I didn't want to just take an hour and a half and stretch it into five and a half hours. I wanted each episode to have its own little beginning, middle and end mini stories and be satisfying in their own right. Uh, while still telling an overarching story like my favorite television does. So hopefully I got even close to that. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the, you mentioned this, I'm glad you kind of brought it up, but kind of one of the holdovers that it, it feels like it came from the feature world is the animation itself. It's one of the most beautifully animated series on TV today. And I feel pretty confident in saying that considering I watch almost exclusively animation. How did you go about finding the show's look? And why was it important to you to deliver uh, this such a high quality of an animation? Well, thank you, first off. Um, and that was that was our goal. I, I was lucky enough to work on The Princess and the Frog, which was, uh, you know, sort of one of, if not the last, really high quality, big budget, hand-drawn features that were geared towards a broad family audience. And... Um, and I don't have any problem with CG. I'm directing a CG movie right now. Uh, and there's so many great things about CG and, and, and they're kind of merging in awesome ways. The things like Spider-Verse and Klaus, um, uh, where the best bits of all of it are coming together. And all I know is that, um, part of the reason we want, first of all, we just wanted this to be great. I want, I wanted to make something that was beautiful and blew people away. And then in terms of hand drawn, we, you know, we looked at what the budget was and we felt like our best bet to do something amazing was to do it hand-drawn, A. And B, it just lent itself well to suit um, in that, uh, you know, his illustration style, not that we're exactly that, but there's just something nostalgic and nice about seeing this done with that kind of line uh, that's a little bit hatched. And uh, and and then also, we... Um, yeah, we just also uh, felt like hand-drawn, uh, you know, there's, there's been CG suits, suits lately. You know, there's great hand-drawn suits in the past, like the Grinch, but then lately what people are used to, and they've done it really well at Illumination um, is in CG, so we were like, let's do something different. So those are all the reasons that we wanted to do hand-drawn animation and to do it at, at a really high level. Um and, and by the way, I love so much animation on TV now. It's just, it's just a little different. Sometimes, it's, you know, you're able to do a quick turnaround with it. And the goal isn't necessarily to do what they were trying to do on something like, you know, 90s Disney movies. And, uh, and we thought, let's try something crazy. Let's try to do something closer to that for television. It was in some ways a really dumb thing. It took a <laughs> really long time, but it took us four years, but, uh, hopefully it was worth it. Yeah, but I loved moments where I would just stop and kind of like do a freeze frame and just look at, you know, like the little the little brush strokes for the certain character outlines and things like that. It's just like paying attention to those kind of details. Now that we have TVs that are capable of seeing like every little pixel, uh, it, it was just really nice to see that kind of like hand-drawn touch. So uh, a job well done to the animation team. Thank you. And I can take zero credit for that. You know, I started out as a writer and I spent years writing at Disney animation and then at Warren Brothers and then the Lego movies and stuff. So I, I hopefully learned a little bit about animation, but really everything that you're talking about, I, I it's, it's due to our team. Uh, we had amazing artists working on this, uh, all over the world at every level. There were 300 people total that worked on this wow. show and, and the stuff that you're noticing and loving is, is all them and me smiling as it would arrive and, uh, and, and, and be amazed that, 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 you know, what started as a dumb idea became something like that. 
Uh, and before we get into the nuts and bolts of your story, uh, kind of a, f- a funny question for you. Was it a mandate that every episode feature a scene with the title Green Eggs and Ham, or was that just a fun like running gag that you guys had a good time with? It was a mandate. Ted Saranda <laughs> told me, you have to. <laughs> no, it was just an idea that we had. I don't know if you caught this, but it's interesting. Uh, so each episode is, is, is named after one of the things or places in the book where the grumpy guy won't uh, eat the green eggs and ham, like house or uh, car or train. And, um, and yeah, it just seemed like a fun thing when we were going to do 13 episodes and each one of them would be that. And it was almost like giving myself a little bit of a, a weird little challenge. You know, the book came from a challenge that Dr. Seuss's editor gave him of only being able to use 50 unique vocabulary words right. uh, to tell the story. And I think from that limitation, something great sprung. And I guess I kind of gave myself that same limitation where I was like, okay, each episode is going to be a different one of those things. And then it's going to be fun to see, okay, how is he not going to eat eggs in a box? And what is the box going to be? And hopefully for the viewer, I think it would be fun because now you're kind of wondering the same thing going into each or okay, now we're up the mouth and how's the mouth going to come into the story? So, uh, so yeah, it was just a kind of a fun thing that we did for ourselves. Although I believe there's one word, but I think there's actually 14 in the book and we only had 13 episodes and I believe it's tree. I think tree is the only one that's not, uh, that's in the book. It's not an episode. Well, hey, season two, you'll have the, the 14th, uh, tree centric <laughs> season two. Uh, I loved it because it, it you know, yeah. it was a tie back to the book where every page was just like, a little mini story about green eggs and ham, which is very silly, very, you know, focused for kids, but it was nice to be able to tie that back in uh, to the book while watching the series. Talking a little more. That's cool. I hadn't thought of it. It's almost like they're chapters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just like you turn a page every 20 minutes or so you turn the page and there's your next, your next green eggs and ham story, mini story. So going back to the the main story itself and kind of focusing on your main characters first with uh, guy, am I, he's kind of this down in his luck inventor, still searching for success and acceptance after all these years. To me, his journey felt kind of like maybe a hopeful screenwriter in Hollywood. Does that strike maybe too close to the mark or is that on the right track? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think in some ways I, I can relate definitely to the guy, my character in my relationship. I'm the grumpy one who's closed off and my girlfriend is the silly one who's always trying to push new things. And so I think there's, there's probably a guy and a Sam in every type of situation. And, and I think I've been the Sam in other parts of my life. Um, in terms of being a screenwriter, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think I had, um, I had, I was lucky enough to have probably too lucky. I had kind of success very early in my career. I didn't have to struggle for a long time. Um, and, but then things that I, that seemed like they were going to be great didn't work out. Uh, and, that's kind of always been my journey of, uh, you know, really great luck. And then, Oh, that's not going to happen, but still great. You think you're going great. And then, Oh, but then that one's not going to happen. So, um, and that's kind of what happens to the character as well. He has all this promise. Um, he's got great ideas. He's a great inventor, but they, everything that he invents, uh, blows up. So, um, so I guess in that way, it is kind of like my career. I had all these great things happen and then a bunch that blew up. Some of it was my fault. It's just that much. Uh, so hopefully this one doesn't up. But then you found your Sam I am, so everything works out in the end, right? Exactly. So speaking of Sam, how did you go about kind of finding his character? Because in the book, he's just kind of, he's the, I think he's the only named character, and he's the one who's posing all these questions and really trying to push Guy into all these things. So how did you find that character and sort of flesh him out a little bit? Um, yeah, I mean, he, I love 
stories that are sort of buddy, odd couple stories on a road trip. When I first was, um, brought this idea, you know, someone said, hey, we can get to write this book. We, we know you want to do this. Um, you have a background in animation. And it was my favorite book as a kid. Um, and uh, when I told my grandmother that I was working on it, she said, uh, yeah, you used to read that book to me all the time. And I love that, that I read oh, it to her. Yeah. Because uh, basically I learned to read reading this book. And yet I was like, there's no story there, though. What am I going to do? But just I had to because I loved it so much. I started flipping through it. And I was like, oh, it's grumpy guy and silly guy, odd couple. And it's a road trip because he won't eat them uh, here and there on a boat in a car. And I was like, it's plane, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. It's Midnight Run, uh, Bottle Rocket. Um, and, and in all those movies, my favorite character is this sort of Sam I Am character. I, you know, I love Dignan, the Owen Wilson character in Bottle Rocket. I love John Candy in Plain Street and Automobiles. I love Charles Roden in Midnight Run. There's just these sort of slightly annoying, but incredibly lovable, and, and, and they have huge hearts, and they don't quite know what to do with them, and they really just love the other guy unconditionally no matter how frustrated he is and um and so i think i've always loved characters like that and so i i I, that was kind of what was in my mind as i was crafting sam i am yeah i think he he wants to try the green eggs and ham but i think ultimately it's just you feel it like he doesn't you know he, he doesn't just want him to try the green eggs and ham it's like it's like he he loves him so much he wants this guy to like him as a person i think and I think uh, by the end of the book, he does. You know, he thanks him. He, uh, so it's more than just trying that thing. It's it's about him. I, I, I thought there was some kind of friendship thing then. Exactly, yeah. And anything to get Guy off of the sad man special, which was one of the saddest things uh, <laughs> ever. It's like dollar store yeah. ramen. Yeah. Uh, you kind of talk, You kind of answered how you kind of beefed up uh, Sam's character a little bit. Was it a daunting task to take this, you know, 60-page book with only 50 words, uh, a very brief animated special in the 70s, and then turn this into a 13, hopefully 13-plus episode series? Or did that unfolding that story kind of come naturally once you folded in those pop culture references that you talked about? Well, I think once I started, at first I thought, like I said, that there was nothing there. And then I I was like, oh, wait a minute. No, okay, it's a road trip. And then things just started coming to me like, okay, well, if it's a road trip, what, why do they have to get from A to B? And then, okay, there, there's this animal. And then, uh, well, there's probably bad guys out there. Who are the bad guys? Who are they working for? And then it just kind of kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And so from this little kernel of the story, I started coming up with more stuff. Um, and it's funny, I've read some stuff on Twitter, which I probably should never read, <laughs> but I'll just look and be like, what are people thinking about this before it comes out? Yeah. And, um, and there've been a few people and they're like, it's such a tiny thing. Why would you turn it into all this stuff and this whole complicated, complicated thing? And first of all, I want to say to them, well, you should try it first. That is kind of the lesson of the book. And, right. and you're an adult and it's a lesson for children to try <laughs> things. Maybe you like it. But, and by the way, if you hate it after you watch it, I'm fine with that. Right. Just try it first. Um, but uh, to be honest, if I were them, I might have the same thought. I might go, why is this person doing this? This is ridiculous. It was small and fine as it was. But for what it was worth, for me, I, all the story kind of just came pouring out. And, and I hope that it still retains the kernel of what was great in the original thing. Uh, and, and for me, you know, whether uh, I think that's happened in a lot of stuff that I've enjoyed, whether it's like Body of the Chance Meatballs or the Lego movie where... You go, well, that's just a toy, or that's a very simple children's book, but it could be a jumping off point for something brilliant, uh, hopefully, and sometimes it's not. But um, that, that was my hope with this, was that I found more there, and, and, 
and as long as you keep the soul of the thing that it came from, I'm hopeful that it can just be a great jumping off point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think a big strength of this series is the crazy cast that you've assembled for this show. So was there anybody in this cast that uh, that signed on that maybe surprised you? Maybe you thought you were reaching with this casting, but then you were surprised when they said, yes, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, all of them. <laughs> Fair question. Yeah. Uh, we, were, we were really lucky. I mean, there are people who won Oscars and... You know, my, I, I guess Michael Douglas and Diane Keaton in particular, uh, you know, I was pretty blown away by the fact that we were able to get them, you know, actors of that caliber, um, to do this. And, and, and neither of them, uh, had done a lot of animation. Um, you know, Diane Keaton had done, uh, Finding Dory, but, um, but not, not much more than that. And Michael has done, uh, I don't, I don't think he had done much animation at all. So uh, it was really exciting and daunting, and uh, every now and then I would say something, and Michael Douglas would look at me, and I, and I would see like Gordon Gecko looking at me, and uh, <laughs> and uh, it was a little, you know a little scared. Sure. But um, he, uh, I think he really had a great time, and and the more he got into it, uh, the more we did it. I think it's sort of it's been, it's kind of fun for someone who's that great and has been doing it for that long to find a new challenge. Um, and something that they hadn't done, They're, you know, someone who's used to doing so much with just their eyes or a tiny little gesture to now find it in their voice. Um, and so, yeah, uh, those, those were particularly, uh, shocking and, uh, we felt really lucky that we got those two actors. Yeah, and they do a great job of bringing these characters to life and they really kind of fit the, the molds that these characters, uh, kind of fit into, which again was like when you're reading the books, you know, when you were reading it to your grandmother, you probably, have that in your memory in your voice. Some people have it in their parents' voice. So it's it's nice to kind of add a new voice to all these different characters. And it's just something new to experience. I really enjoyed it. Um, before I run out of time with you okay. today, uh, quite a few things are revealed over the course of these 13 episodes, especially in the last few. But without giving anything away, uh, your finale, it really strongly sets up maybe a possible adventure for season two. So if so, could you tease where Green Eggs and Ham might go from here if you if you got a second season? Oh, wow. Um, well, yeah, I, I, we do set it up so that there could be, uh, more, um, and, uh, it's hard to talk about it without giving anything away. And I really do want to keep it. Um, uh, you don't want to spoil green eggs and ham. Uh, you want to eat it fresh. That's right. So, uh, yeah, I'll just say that, um, I think that our, uh, our characters may, may have worked some stuff out in season one, but there are new relationships and new things for them to discover still, uh, in season two, uh, even revolving around the dish, green eggs and ham. Perfect. And you'll get to go into that tree, uh, and do that in season two, too. So it'll be a nice, for the completionists <laughs> out there. Uh, any other Seuss works? Exactly. Any other Seuss stories or adaptations in the works by any chance, even if it's just something you've kind of had rolling around in the back of your head? Well, I'm actually, I'm working, uh, at Warner Brothers, um, on, uh, some new suit, uh, features. Uh, that's been announced, so I can talk about that. I'm working as a producer, uh, on, uh, the next two animated features that are going to come out of Seuss properties are going to be made, uh, here at Warner Brothers and, uh, and so I'll be a producer on those with some other really, uh, talented filmmakers. Uh, my last question for you today, then, other than a possible season two, other than, uh, the Seuss movies that are in the works, what's up next for you and your very busy schedule that you would like to share with our listeners out there? Sure. So, um, well, first of all, uh, I am writing and producing and directing a CG animated feature, uh, at Warner Brothers called DC Super Pets, uh, 
which comes out in May of 22. Um, and we're about halfway through our three-ish year uh, production. And um, yeah, and so uh, that's been super exciting to work on because we have uh, the whole DC universe to play with. Um, and it's about animals that have superpowers, which is fun. And I don't think you've really seen that before. So I probably can't say too much more than that, but, um, that's definitely a big new thing that I've got coming up in the animated space. And then I'm also, uh, going to be working on a TV show for HBO Max, the new streaming service. Um, and, uh, I partnered up with Robert Zemeckis, uh, who, uh, on a show that combines live action with hand-drawn animation. And, uh, you may have heard this, but he's pretty good at that. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, that, that show is called Team Dash, uh, and that's super exciting. That's awesome. Thank you so much for those updates. And because I'm out of time with you, thank you so much for joining me to talk about Green Eggs and Ham. Really looking forward to the release. Hope everybody loves it as much as I did. And uh, hope to talk to you in the future for more of your projects in the years to come. Awesome. This has been a really nice conversation. And uh, thank you so much. Dave here again to say thanks to Jared and the team at Netflix for this opportunity to get a peek behind the scenes of Green Eggs and Ham. Be sure to check it out on Netflix now. Read my full review over at Collider.com. And keep an eye out for more interviews and reviews from the Saturday Morning Cartoons team, as always. Thanks.